Hey, Grace Covenant, great to have you joining us for our time in the Word today. Uh, This morning we're launching into a new series that's going to take us three weeks. We're going to be studying the life of Samson, Samson the Judge, or Samson the Deliverer. His story is found in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16. I would encourage you over the next couple of weeks, spend some time in his story uh, so that you'll become familiar with some of the things we're going to be talking about. But his story's recorded in a time of Israel's history where there was like struggle and strife and rebellion. And we've titled this series, Samson, Flawed Man, Faithful God, because that's what we see playing out. We see uh, the struggle of humanity, yet the faithfulness of God. So join me in the sermon this morning. Um, as you hear the word Samson, maybe that's totally new to you, but, it, but maybe you're familiar with this story. When you hear the word Samson, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Why don't you type that there into the chat line. What's the first thing that pops into your mind? A lot of characteristics about Samson. Uh, but what would you say, this is what I think of when I think of, of Samson. But as we think of Samson's life, on a broader scale, Samson's story is really a, a picture of humanity. As we're going to discover in our, our study of, of Samson, certainly had some su- success, but his life was marked by s- struggles and, and blunders. He was a A hero whose amazing deeds are overshadowed by some pretty disastrous failures. In his story, we we see, though, God at work. God at work, but Samson struggled with poor choices, selfish pursuits. And and what we're going to discover is this created some pain in his life. He was a man with great destiny and a man of great potential who never fully lived up to his potential. In case you're not aware of Samson and his story, he, he's actually known for it. Like, this, like his claim to fame is he's the strongest man in the Bible. Uh, I mean, if you read his story, you're going to see him doing some amazing feats. Like, how could a man do that? And obviously he, he did it by God's power. But like Samson was the first of the superheroes, if you can think of it like that. Like before Superman, before Batman, before Wonder Woman, there was Samson. And God gave him great power. Here's the deal, though. He gave him great power for a purpose. But Samson had a weak will that, that, that created some train wrecks in his life. But greater than Samson's power, I believe, as we look to his story, is the wonder of God's faithfulness. Because, again, in, in Samson's story, we, we see the struggles of flawed humanity, but we also see the faithfulness of God. And Judges chapters 13 through 16 gives us the story of Samson, but I believe it's really God's story. It's God's story at work. And what we see not only in Samson's story, but throughout the whole of Scripture is that God is merciful. And he desires to bring deliverance and salvation for all people. But we, we must be willing to receive his salvation. We must be willing to receive his deliverance. You know, Second Peter 3, 9 says that God is patient with you. Like not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And then I love the scripture in Lamentations 3, verse 22 and, and 23 that says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great. God, great is your faithfulness. See, although humanity is flawed and we have our struggles, the good news for us today is this. God is faithful. And we see this playing out throughout the book of Judges, not just in Samson's story, but really the, the whole of this 300-year uh, period of history, which is really known as the Dark Ages, the Dark Ages of Hebrew history. Like the entire nation was characterized by this spirit of rebellion. So to understand Samson's time and Samson's story, we must understand the time of the judges in Israel. 
Like God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt under the leadership of Moses. It's Joshua who leads them into the promised land. So God gives them his law to live by and he places them in a land that he has for them being the promised land. They were to live like his people. So they went into the land under the leadership of Joshua. But after Joshua dies, like things begin to spiral downward like pretty quick. Matter of fact, the summary of the whole book, Judges chapter 1 through 21, is found in the very last book, very, excuse me, the very last verse of the book. And it reads like this. In those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as he saw fit. In other words, it was like total chaos. So it's in that time and season that we have this story of Samson. And the book of Judges is like what happens in a nation where there's where there's like no, no sense of morality, where, where everyone and anyone chooses to do like whatever they want to do. Like the, the book of Judges, if you read the whole book, it's, it's, it's a bit depressing because we, we find the book is filled like with murder and rape and homosexuality, betrayal, deceit, idolatry. And that's just with the leaders of the time. That's not the people. That's the leaders who were supposed to be leading in this time in Israel's history. And God's people had done mainly what was right under Joshua's leadership. But now in this time where they didn't have the leader, they were just kind of like everybody doing what they wanted to do. And, and so we see this repeated cycle in the book of Judges where there was sin, there was servitude, there was supplication, there was salvation, and there was security. Israel would sin. God would bring in an oppressive nation to capture their attention. They would repent. They would turn back to God for a time and a season. And then we were back to everyone did what they saw fit in their own eyes. So again, we have this rebellion, this strife playing out. And it's in the midst of this that God raises up a judge, a deliverer by the name of Samson. Pretty miraculous story. So I want to read the first few verses of Samson's story. It's found in Judges chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. It says again, notice the word again. In other words, this is the same cycle playing out. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites and his wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So here we have an unnamed woman uh, who's barren. She's not been able to conceive. So in this time, this would have been like a huge disgrace. So God chooses her and her husband, Manoah, to be a part of the deliverance that he's going to begin. Interesting word. We'll get to that more in just a minute. That he's going to begin for the nation of Israel. And the directive to, to Miss Manoah is like very clear and, and the kind of how she's supposed to raise this child. He's supposed to be a Nazarite set apart from, from the very point of birth. And I'll get to what Nazarite means in, in, in just a minute. But what we see in the first part of Samson's story is God at work. God had a plan of deliverance that he was initiating as to his mercy. He was setting it into motion. 
In the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about Samson. But today, I want us to focus on what God did. I want us to focus on God's work. For you see, the, Samson, the story of Samson, I believe, is really God's story. It's God's story of mercy and grace acting on behalf of his people. Although Samson never lived up to his potential or calling, we see God at work through flawed humanity to do this. Again, the goal was deliverance. And I would say, actually, that's God's plan throughout the Bible. If you look to the prior covenant, we see God interacting with a specific group of people being the Jewish people. And he was consistently calling them to love him, to follow him, to trust him, that he might bring them deliverance, that he might bring them freedom. And even as we look to the the new covenant, we see again, God's plan was what deliverance. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we might have Freedom, interesting, as Jesus was like starting his ministry, his three years of ministry, he began by picking up a scroll and reading from the prophet Isaiah. It's actually recorded for us in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and following, where Jesus read these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. So Jesus was basically saying, hey, I'm here to bring deliverance. And how he did it was through the cross. He gave his life that we might have life. He gave his life that we, if you will, the enslaved, might be free. So there's no way around it. God's plan is deliverance. Deliverance for our lives. And I believe that Samson's story actually portrays that deliverance. So let's let's look for just a few minutes at God at work. God at work in Samson's story and God at work in our lives. And first we see God's judgment. God has used and will use, even today, uncomfortable circumstances to captivate people's attention, to turn their hearts to him. I mean, we see that playing out in Samson's story. Because the Israelites had rebelled against God, the scripture says that God gave them over into the hands of the Philistines. And the Philistines was, uh, oh man, talking about an evil group of folks, that was the Philistines. And God says, hey, I'm going to use the Philistines to capture your attention, to bring you back to right relationship with me. So uh, here's a question for you. Has there ever been a time in your life where God has used circumstance or situation to cap, to captivate your attention, to maybe turn your heart or your attention back to him? If there has been a time in your life, you don't have to ch- type all of that in, but there in the chat line, just write, uh, just type in, oh me, oh me, God has done that. Because again, we see that consistent. I mean, that's really the the whole of the book of Judges. God was continually using circumstance and situation Pain, if you will, to captivate people's attention, to bring them back to right relationship. And we see that throughout Scripture. I mean, I think of of Jonah's story. Remember, God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't want to go. I'm going to go the other direction. He rebelled against God, and God used a storm and and a large fish to what? To captivate his attention. We see the same if you look to the history of the nation of Israel. In 721 B.C., God used the Assyrians to carry the northern tribes of Israel into captivity. What he was using circumstance and situation to captivate their attention. Then in 586 B.C., it was the Babylonians. God used the Babylonians to carry the southern tribes into captivity. Jerusalem was destroyed. All of it was about what? It was captivating the people's attention, the Jewish people, to draw their hearts back. And God's still doing the same today. 
And because he loves you outrageously, friend, it's not, listen, it's not that he's out to get you. No, it's God's radical love. He loves you so much that he's going to use circumstance and situation at times to captivate your attention. I think of a modern day story of that, the story of Chuck Colson who was a political leader, got caught up in the Watergate scandal. As a result of that, went to prison. And if you were to read his story, he would say that God used the consequence of prison to open his eyes, to capture his heart. And he became one of the greatest evangelists in the past 40 years. Chuck Colson, why? God used a circumstance, a difficult circumstance, to captivate his attention. So oftentimes God does that. Because he loves us, what does he do? He brings judgment. He brings consequence to capture Our attention. But it's all connected to his plan. See, God doesn't inflict punishment. He doesn't inflict pain just because he wants to, you know, he wants us to experience pain. No, he wants to bring us to his plan. See, God took the initiative and he acted in mercy to bring forth a judge or deliverer for his people. What's interesting in in all of the previous judges, and you can check it out, chapter 1 through chapter 12, God always responded in those different scenarios to a people's cry. The people would feel the oppression. They would cry out to him for mercy, for deliverance. God, save us, rescue us, free us. And God would respond to their cry. But what's interesting is that when we come to Samson's story, the people are not crying out. It's God who took the initiative. It's God who said, hey, I'm going to take a woman who's sterile and I'm going to bring about a miraculous birth. And through that, I'm going to bring a deliverer. We see God's plan to bring deliverance. We see God's mercy in action. I think so it was as God unveiled his plan when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die that that we might live. It was that act of sending his son that opened the way that we might experience the mercy of God. That we might have deliverance. I think of the scripture in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 that says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this. And while we were still sinners, while we were still a mess, what did he do? He revealed his mercy to us. God's plan. Then Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, "But, But because of God's great love for us, and because he's rich in mercy, he's made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. In God's plan, both for Samson, and hear me, friend, for each of us, God took the initiative. He made the first move, and he's given us mercy that makes deliverance possible. But he's called us then to walk in his way. So God's plan is mercy that makes a way. God's plan is mercy that brings deliverance. But he's called us to walk in his way. And so we see God's way. God called Samson to the life of a Nazarite in that he would be set apart or different to fulfill God's purposes. You know, as the angel brought this announcement to Miss Manoah that she was, that her barren womb was going to bring forth life, he gave her the directive that this son who was going to be born would be a Nazarite from, from birth. So a Nazarite would be an individual who would take a vow. Most of the time it was for a time and a season. They would take a vow and the vow was, a, it was an outward statement of an inward dedication. It was an outward sign of an inward work, an inward commitment. But for Samson, it wasn't for a season of time. He was to be a Nazarite uh, from, the point of his, uh, from the point of his birth throughout his life. To be a Nazarite basically meant three things. Uh, you didn't consume fermented drink, being beer or wine. Um, 
no razor would touch his head. You didn't cut the hair. And the third was you didn't touch anything that was dead, any animal, any body, any human being, because that um, body would be unclean. And so those were kind of the three statements that it meant to take a Nazarite vow. So Samson, from his early years, from his very birth, was called to this Nazarite vow. It was a statement of he was set apart. Here's God's way. He was to be different then, and he was to lead in such of a way that it was uh, evident to the people of Israel that God had set him apart and that God was a part of his plan. So, so I would say today that God's plan is the same for us. His way is the same for us. Now, he's not called us to take a Nazarite vow, but he has called us to his way, which is a way of holiness. We are called to be separate from, different than the world, that the world might see the reality of Christ in our lives. That they might recognize that there's something different in our lives, that there's this outward sign of an inward obedience. It's interesting, First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, the scripture says, But just as he has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. What God's called us to a way, and the way is the way of holiness. Listen, we don't live as the world lives. We don't act as the world acts. Why? Because we've been called to a way, a way that opens um, that opens the door for God's deliverance, a way that opens the door for God to work in and through our lives. See, God wants to fulfill, even as he wanted to fulfill a purpose through Samson's life, hear me, so he wants to fulfill a purpose through your life. But it's not like, hey, friend, I, you can go do whatever you want. No, there's a way. There's a way that God's called us to. And as we walk in God's way, then we're prepared for his work. So what's God's work? God miraculously brought life out of a barren womb so that deliverance might come for his people. It was God's plan to use a flawed man, being Samson, to live and lead in such of a way that deliverance would come for Israel. Now, as we're going to discover in the coming weeks, that that, that never fully happened uh, because of Samson's failures. But God's work, God's purpose was this, deliverance. Why did he raise up Samson? He wanted to bring deliverance. He wanted to bring freedom for his people. And what's really interesting is in Samson's story, we read this. I want to take you back to verse 5. There's an interesting word here that you need to catch. Verse 5 reads like this. You will conceive, speaking to Miss Manoah, the angel of the Lord said, You will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Notice the scripture says he will begin. Not that he'll bring, not that he'll complete, but he's beginning the deliverance. I believe that the very deliverance that Samson began is really fulfilled in that of Jesus Christ, the great deliverer, the one who came to give his life that we might have life. You know, as you look to Samson's story, you look to Jesus' story, uh, there's, there's many similarities. As a matter of fact, I think Samson's story is a foreshadowing of a coming deliverer, Jesus Christ, who would truly bring freedom and salvation for all people. Again, there's some amazing parallels. Let me just give you really quick some of the parallels between Samson and Jesus. Samson and Jesus' birth were both predicted like before they happened. Uh, there was the angel of the Lord that came to Miss Manoah and said, hey, you're going to have a son um, out of the barrenness of your womb. And, and we know that Jesus' birth was predicted. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, hey, you're going you're gonna to conceive by the Holy Spirit and you're going to bring forth the Savior of the world. It's going to happen through your womb, through your birth canal. Samson and Jesus' birth was, was both miraculous. 
Again, out of the barrenness of Miss Manoah's womb, and we know that, that Mary was a virgin. She had had no sexual relations, yet she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a, a miraculous birth. Samson and Jesus' birth were also God's intervention for those who are oppressed. I mean, that's why Samson was born, to bring deliverance. And, and Jesus was obviously born for those who were oppressed, for those who needed salvation, for those who needed freedom. Interesting that Samson was given a Nazarite vow, and Jesus is known as, as the Nazarene, the, the one who came from the town of, of the Nazarene. So there's a lot of similarities, but here, here's the glaring difference. Samson never completely fulfilled his calling, while Jesus Christ was faithful to his calling. And today, there's deliverance. Today, there's salvation. Get this, for all people. Hey, Jesus came for this purpose. The scripture says that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus came to deliver us from the power of sin to bring freedom for our lives. Jesus came that we might receive the mercy and grace of God that would bring abundant life and eternal life. Now, Romans 4.25 says, He, being Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins, and He was raised to life for our justification. But Jesus came to bring deliverance. He came to bring freedom. And then Romans 10, verse 9 and verse 13 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you'll be saved. You'll be delivered. You'll find freedom. Scripture goes on to say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, what Samson was destined to do, he never fulfilled. He began a deliverance. He didn't complete it. But hear me, friends. Jesus Christ completed the deliverance. He gave his life on the cross. That sin, death, and the hell was defeated. He arose victorious on the third day. Hear me, for this purpose, that you might have freedom. That you might be delivered from your past. That you might be delivered from the power of sin. That you might be delivered from strongholds. Folks, that's why Jesus came. And He fulfilled. He fulfilled His mission. He fulfilled His assignment. So salvation today is available to anyone and everyone who will simply receive that of the mercy and the grace of God. So if you're watching today, maybe you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you never thought it was necessary. I'm telling you, Every individual has to make the decision. Are you going to receive Jesus or reject Him? And you say, well, I, I, today I, I think Jesus was a good man. Listen, you just, thinking him a good, you just seeing Him as a good man is not enough. You have to receive Him as your Savior. You have to receive the deliverance that Jesus Christ came to provide. So if you've not made that decision, then today I want to pray with you. It's as simple as this. Admitting your need. Admitting that you need deliverance. Believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came to bring that deliverance. And then confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. It's that simple. You may say, well, I I don't know if I'm good enough. I can tell you today you're not good enough. What do you need? You need a Savior. You You need the same thing that I needed. I needed to deliver in my life. I needed to receive the mercy of God. So if you need to make that decision right now, friend, I want to pray with you. Not only will it change your life today, but hear me, it'll change your eternity. So I want to pray with you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, just repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came into our world to bring freedom, to bring deliverance. Today, I recognize recognize my need for you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to follow you all the days of my life. 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you've just accepted Christ as your Savior. Greatest decision you'll ever make. I would encourage you, there in the chat line, just uh, write in, hey, I accepted Christ today. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to follow up with you. If you don't have a Bible, we want to get you a Bible. Listen, you just embrace a new way of life. So I celebrate with you today, and I pray God's blessings for you, for everyone watching online today. May the favor of the Lord rest upon you and your family. God bless.